Chapter Thirteen of A Christmas Honeymoon by Francis Amar Matthews. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Little Peter's Mistake. Mr. Van Zant had come uptown early that afternoon. Just before Christmas, there was not much law business to be attended to. He had gone, as usual, into the library to read his evening post. He sat beside the fireplace where the Liverpool coal burned cheerily, opposite to him the pier mirror, some of its silvery linings worn away, behind him the curtained arch. There were leather chairs and the leather lounge, bookcases on all four sides. The large table in the middle of the room had on it the violin case, the Godey's lady's book, Betty's last note to him and the carte de visite he had taken from under her pillow, now in a crimson velvet passepartout. By and by he laid down his paper, lighted a cigar, and drew nearer to the fender. There was not a sound in the house, nor yet without, for the snowfall had been heavy, and it had begun again to come down. Not a sound, save the cricket that chirped on his hearth. He heard it and smiled as he called it a lonely man's comrade. There had always been a cricket singing on that hearth in winter time, as long as he could remember. Presently, sleigh bells jingled in the street. The hearty laughter of youth reached his ears. A voice called out to the horses, Whoa there, steady! And then silence once more. His eyes traveled to the table, to the carte de visite in the velvet frame. Betty would not use the new strawberry roans. Each morning the coachman waited for orders. Each morning Shaddle or Bridget told him there were none. But Betty had come home. He himself had seen her. Why had she come? There was but one wall between them. Should he break it down and march in and repossess his own? But how could he do that? Nothing might be farther from her desires than that he should show himself to her. She kept aloof, well, but a woman could not put out her hand to a man unless the man first extended his. Should he write to her? He took up his pen. Absurd! To write to Betty when merely a wall divided him from her. But that wall! Who had built it? He, Peter Van Zant. What a fool he was! Of course Betty would not stir an inch toward the man who had built a wall between her and him. He would have the wall torn down tomorrow. That was it. Tomorrow. He got up and began pacing the floor restlessly, smoking all this while, so that by then the place was in a haze of filmy blue. Through it, the fire shadows flickering and playing on the andirons, the Indian rug, the impoverished mirror his own face. If he could tear down that wall now with his fists and fingers, they had had harder work to do and had done it over in the African mines. Yes, he would do it now. Do it himself. Here were the window bars, heavy, quite fit, and able to batter plaster, mortar, and bricks to a ruin. Then the image of her standing yonder, under the bare trees in the park, expectant, eager, watchful for someone else, smote him to the heart, and he laughed a little, put down the tool he had seized, with its brocatel curtains that had never once, in all the years, been displaced or touched by hand of his. 
he lighted a fresh cigar and the smoke wreaths grew thicker and the mist over all things more dense and the cricket sang on and the rest of it was silence and his hunger for betty there may have been indeed there were other sounds there the creak of rusty hinges the sweep of brocatel the careful tread of two little feet lost almost in a pair of cavalry boots that reached to a childish waist the soft purring of three pussy-cats and the swish of their tails against the turkish ottomans near the arch the little boy by no means abashed or frightened saw the figure of the man through the haze but not his face for that was not toward him he made a further noise with his gigantic heels but the man did not hear his mind was with the woman he loved he smoked on then pierre de la curot made a more intentional sound with his boots still the man was oblivious finally the melodious voice of the child exclaimed pardon monsieur but are you happiness or where is it if you please then to be sure peter van zant started up from his dream-chair and turned to behold the tiny figure emerging from the cavalry boots and the head roofed by the old army cap this to be sure the little boy had lifted and he had spoken when he succeeded in handling it he saw the stranger against whom his grandmother had so carefully warned him monsieur cried the astonished child monsieur le marquis exclaimed the equally astonished man then certainly mr van zant recovered himself pleased in a sense to think that his small acquaintance had come to call on him admitted doubtless by bridget or shadow he had entered the room while the host had been unobservant lost in thoughts of betty i am glad to see you sir van zant went on i did not hear the bell ring nor your entrance sit down he wheeled a chair near the fire which the three pussy-cats evidently accepted as a note of welcome for they began to bestow themselves in warm corners without further circumlocution but the little boy did not take the offered seat he stood with his unwieldy cap in hands and said no i thank you monsieur i did not know this would be your house i thought it was our house he glanced back intuitively toward the curtained arch mr van zant not exactly comprehending smiled amusedly so this little man was doubtless a visitor with his grandmother at betty's house and by some whim of childhood he had come around by the area way very likely and walked in and how is that sir he nevertheless inquired i did not come to visit you monsieur not in the least i ask your pardon i came to find happiness and he looked around please monsieur tell me is it really here no sir mr van zant answered slowly it is not but little peter was about to say bridget told me it was here when his instincts forbade the use of any one's name as yet but i am most happy to have you here the host repeated monsieur it is not that grandmamma then he paused searching all his inexperienced soul for the right road grandmamma monsieur is not happy i am sure of it and bri 
I mean someone, told me that happiness was on the other side of the arch, and I promised to myself, monsieur, to come through and find it, and have it for her when she gets home from Bloomingdale tonight, tomorrow. The little boy gave a deep breath of relief at the conclusion of his long speech. The man stared at him in open bewilderment. Then a light dawned. Betty's visitors, of course. The little boy and his green brocade grandmamma and some fairy tale all mixed up in his curly hair. Well, children in fairy tales were alike the unknown quality to Peter Van Zant. But this charming little guest of Betty's, ah, yes, perhaps, certainly, he could be led to talk of his hostess. I'm glad you came, Peter Van Zant again repeated, somewhat lamely. Now, sit down. No, monsieur, I thank you. It is not the visit. I could not. I promise grandmamma never to visit the stranger. I will go back. Come, he said to the three pussies. Strad, old bull Paganini, come home. Monsieur will excuse us all for entering. It was a mistake. Little Peter recalled his grandmother's word and used it as he drew himself and his tremendous boots away from his host. Peter Van Zant watched him as if spellbound, as he retreated toward the brochetel curtains, watched him arduously push them aside, beheld through the haze the arch, open as of old, the dust of years, the mahogany door ajar, the glimpse beyond of the staircase, the hat-rack, the newel-post of Mrs. Van Zant's half of the double house. He saw the little boy urging his pussy-cats and passing through before he had collected himself. End of chapter 13